Hi, I'm Tina Spangler with TLC Barrels in Keystone Heights, Florida, and welcome to my podcast. It is February 20th of 2024, and um, this is Q&A number 184 for uh, my Facebook virtual coaching group that's been going on since August of 2020. So I always like to start um, the podcast with a little story and also welcoming the new members. Uh, Today, we have a lot of really great questions and also a cool topic on types and temperaments of horses that I'm going to go over. Um, But as far as our new members, welcome to Alita from Africa, Mandy, Patty, Kelly, and Shelby in Florida, USA. And um, I I love it that we are in 26 states and um, three members international. So that's what's the great thing about online um, training it's been really great to be able to watch the training videos and competition videos all over the world um, and uh, in our country so it's been fun to see the different environments and pretty much we're all the same everywhere we all have to start with our foundation and and go at the pace that we're at and and um, <laughs> everybody's got different goals and different levels they're at but you know, it all comes down to the same thing. And I have been very blessed to do what I've been doing now for over 30 years, since the early 90s in Colorado and Florida since 2001. So I love what I do and I'm very thankful to God daily for it. It's not always easy. Sometimes I'm sore, sometimes I'm tired, sometimes my throat hurts, but I do love what I do. And um, I always am excited to do my job every day. So. Um, you know, it used to be the training the horses and now it's the, the lessons in the clinics and the video reviews, but it's still dealing with horses and helping horse and riders have better relationships. And that's pretty fun way to live day to day. So I, I do love it. I ran into someone the other day and they asked me if I was going to compete again. And, you know, my priorities right now at 57 this year is really TLC and my clinics and lessons take a lot of my weekends. So my priorities have changed. I used to compete hardcore for over 20 years. Um, and now my priorities are just to love it and have fun and enjoy Rocky when I can go places and just a different, my focus is TLC obviously, because, uh, you know, I, I've got to look towards retirement. And so my business has to be very strong in order to get me there. So, you know, you have different seasons in your life and different chapters, and that's a chapter I'm in right now is coaching, and I love it. So, and I can just enjoy my horse for once, and my body's thankful for that. <laughs> After, you know, in your 30s and 40s, riding six, six or more horses a day wasn't a big deal, but in the 50s now, if I overdo it with one horse, I pay the price. So, <laughs> so anyhow, everybody has different, different uh, expiring dates, you know. So anyhow, I, I don't think it's the years as much as it is the miles, and my miles are pretty crazy. So let's see here. As far as stories go, um, there's a couple things on my mind that I wouldn't mind sharing. Um, lately, I've been noticing there's like there's like three big um, coaching groups that really market the heck out of the Facebook. And they pop up on my newsfeed all the time when I'm loading videos in the group. And um, those three groups, you know, one one is kind of cool. They do a lot of training videos. And the other one has a couple big names that, you know, NFR people. 
and they give you a little bit of advice here or there and and um and then the other one is just ridiculous on the amount of um marketing she did before she started this she was a marketer and that's what her specialty was is helping other western business in marketing so hers is such a marketing thing that she sells a four thousand dollar saddle a two hundred dollar bit and she tells you that everything you've learned is wrong and i find that offensive because i've known amazing horse people over the last 30 years and i know for a fact everything i know is not wrong and um and what i teach is not wrong so i just think that's like clinton anderson and pat pirelli on steroids when you do it to that level i just don't think it's um necessary in the early uh 90s you know i studied under you know like tom dorrance and monty roberts and and um oh just thinking of a few john lyons um buck branham ray hunt and you know those guys never marketed themselves really hard now buck i wouldn't say buck has it and stuff but um you know chris cox and all them they all get a lot of money their clinics are like 1500 2000 for a two three day weekend so i mean they they're right up there with pat Pirelli and clinton anderson with the marketing thing but you know when you hear clinton on his podcast now he always talks about how he you know didn't like his customers and he felt like he was just doing it for the money and and i hate that i think that makes me sad and i don't think it should be that i think you know do i love every aspect of my job no but do i love helping horse and riders absolutely and um i think sometimes when you let it be about the money you lose the the love you lose that that hey god gave this gift to you and you need to you know keep it in perspective and find the joy in it um and focus on the positive parts even like Pirelli his is so complicated like um, you need to do the yo-yo or the porcupine with your horse on the ground you literally have to go get the book to figure out what yo-yo and porcupine is instead of just saying left right forward back or the squeeze game you know lunge in between a fence and you um, you know instead of making it simple like at least Clinton Anderson made his simple instead of lots of complicated names that you had to go look up the what that one was but um but I guess my point being is that you can spend a bloody fortune on marketing and um it doesn't make it any better you know the other guys that didn't do that they're teaching things that are just as good and I just think it's kind of sad that the people drink the kool-aid and um of something that's not necessarily true there are amazing horse people out there um you know, and, and not every saddle fits every horse. Not every bit's gonna work with every horse. We all know that. We've all known that every horse has to be treated different, the way you warm it up, the way you compete on it, the way you train it. Um, you know, thousands of horses I've got to help and, you know, hundreds and hundreds I've got to train after, you know, over the 20 years. And and um, and it's just 25 years actually. And, and it's just not something that you can say oh every one thing fits for everybody it's just so so anyways that was just on my mind and i just wanted to say that when you're doing this use common sense you know it's basically your horse's foundation rider's foundation has to come first before speed and then there's a whole lot of uh, education with speed between loping and running 
there's a lot of seasoning that goes on, you know, so nothing, it, nothing fixes uh, anything with a magic bit or bridle or saddle or supplement or secret classes or any of that stuff. It's all just common sense horsemanship, getting back to basics, horse foundation and rider foundation. I just wanted to share that because it kind of makes me a little crazy when I see um, people, you know, saying that everything you know is wrong. <laughs> and it's just, you know, maybe some of the old cowboy ways of bucking horses out and stuff like that, that's no longer necessary. But horsemanship is horsemanship, whether you're a rainer, a cutter, a dressage, you know, a trail rider it just varies or COVID or it's all going to come back to the same foundations rider keys are important um, can there be a little bit different uh, style or art to each person has their own uh, techniques that maybe works for them or maybe a drill they really like sure absolutely but the bottom line what you're looking for and how the horse feels and responds to your cues whether you're in a circle or a square you're looking for softness and lightness and respectfulness and you're looking to make sure that you're doing your job correctly and all of those things so so anyways i kind of went on a nine minute tangent there so i'm going to get back on track here so i'm excited to say that we have at least 20 personal bests so far i still have a few videos to do so there might be more and i think nine people have taken part in the training challenge of uh, three circles drill um, lateral vertical and counter arc also uh, or you did the all lefts all rights from the inside with three barrels um so the other thing was the mental part of it um you're supposed to be writing down your um how you get yourself in the zone and your notebook and your performance tracker so make sure you did the mental uh, challenge for this month as well so uh, i just want to remind everybody that the members only website's been updated there's a lot of new videos there's over 300 videos now in there, so that's awesome when there was only maybe 150 when I started it uh, three years, three and a half years ago. It's everything from groundwork to barrels and 12 different topics, uh, broke down into 12 different um, topics, so it's easy to find what you're looking for. Um, I guess that's all I wanted to cover on the, the, uh, on the just kind of a update reminders for the group. Um, so I do want to make sure that we talk about, um, it's really not about the drills, you guys. It's about how your horses are responding. So whenever I'm giving you new drills, it's really about teamwork. You know, the horse's emotions, the rider's emotions, and how you guys are doing as a team. So I'm going to get to the Q&A because I have quite a few of them. So the first question is about what to do if your horse is really hot in the alleyway or going to the first barrel. Um, so a couple of things, what I like to do if I'm going to the alleyway on a really hot horse, I'll ride one handed and rub them on the butt, or I might do invisible pole bending on the way there. I keep them really focused on face flexing and leg laterals and just kind of do a little zigzag as I go towards the alleyway, just keeping them more relaxed and focused on me than the alleyway. And then I don't dink around as, as soon as I get where I want to be, I go to two hands, line up walk trot lope go or, or trot lope go or lope go whatever works best with that horse but I don't want them taking off without my permission though I want it to be they go on my go cube so if they do act out I will circle them um, and do things like that you can always do one rein stops and disengage their hindquarters if they're being too hot and not focused um, you know just it's very important that you keep them relaxed so 
if I'm gonna be doing um, a first barrel in competition, I'm trying to keep control. You gotta figure out, do I need to circle this horse? Do I creep in the alleyway longer? Do I keep them quieter down the alleyway before we go? Um, you know, do I just try to keep them at an easy lope and float them to the first barrel? You kind of have to figure out what works best. So that's something, um, of course, you can go and do a lot of alley work uh, in between runs. Uh, during the week, you can do some rate alley work and rate work on first row as well. There's a lot of videos on rate work in the members only and also you can search the group for rate work as well. The next question is about trailer loading issues. Um, if you're having trailer loading issues, you're probably having groundwork issues, meaning that you have to spend more time on getting a horse's respect, um, desensitizing, and also their cues on the ground. So meaning they need to go left and right, forward and backward. They need to be able to uh, step onto things, back out of things. So you can back them through your stall doors in the barn. You can uh, walk them up on concrete or um, over tarps. Anything that gets them going forward on a cue, um, lunging them left and right. And, uh, you know, and spending more time with the trailer, getting them comfortable with it. Maybe uh, after they get in there, feed them their dinner in the trailer. Let them relax in there. Um, don't bribe them to get in. Don't force them to get in. They need to get in off of cues and communication. But, but definitely uh, spend more time on it. The worst thing you can do when you need to get a horse somewhere is to go hook up the trailer. Most horses are going to take off to the back of the property when you see hook up. Then, you know, when you go to catch them, you know, they see the halter instead of, you know, horses are smart. They know the difference between um, a sneak attack with a bucket of grain or a halter being hidden behind your back. You've got to learn to mirror your horse. You've got to learn to be patient and stand out there in the pasture and let the curiosity of it, let them come to you. Don't make it about going to get them. Sometimes like when I go to get Rocky and I've already hooked up, and he's in the back of the pasture next to Briscoe. I'll just go talk to Briscoe and I'll have a couple treats in my pocket. I give her a couple treats and pet her, you know, and just love on her for a minute. And all of a sudden Rocky just comes right over because he wants in on the attention and the treats. And then I pet him and give him his cookie and then I slip his halter on. But if I went out there just straight on to him, hey, we gotta go, he's gonna probably play around and goof off and be like, I really don't wanna go. So I'm not saying bribe with treats or nothing, but let the let them associate coming to you in the sense that it's their idea. So you kind of go out there and hang out. You can mirror them left to right, you know, not facing them like a predator, but shoulder to shoulder kind of deal. And um, you know, those are other ways to communicate with your horse on the ground. And all those things, you know, trailer loading issues are a lot of times groundwork issues. So make sure you're doing groundwork once a week with your horse, maybe more if your horse needs it. Every horse I ever trained did a week of groundwork when they came in, even if I rode them right off the bat because they were ready. I still did 10, 15 minutes of groundwork either on a lunge line or in the round pin with them before I hopped on them because I wanted to establish the trust and respect and the cues from the ground before the saddle and um, bonding, you know, just building that relationship on the ground. Next question. Uh, this is about quality dentists. And one of my customers sent me a video of her horse tossing her head lope in circles. And then she sent me a video of her horse um, throwing his head up at first and second and then going into a bucking fit at third barrel. 
and she sent me the videos and said, what's my opinion? I said, there's something wrong with his head. I said, I'd get his teeth checked, maybe x-ray his mouth and see if he's got a fractured tooth or something. Well, come to find out, her dentist was just not a very good dentist. And um, it, they don't even need an x-ray. They just needed a second opinion for a dentist. The horse had a blind wolf tooth that was missed and also a huge hook in the back. And it was hurting the horse because the bit, anytime she touched the bit, it would hit that blind wolf tooth. And also the hook would grab and that's why he was popping his head from the pain so now mind you that's pretty dramatic for a horse to go into a bucking fit but he did try to tell her during the week that it hurt because he was tossing his head so try not to this is why i've seen so much in my 30 some years that i cannot unsee it so when i say to you get your horse checked for pain i don't mean it in a bad way towards you i just want you to know i've seen enough stuff to know that if a horse doesn't feel good they will tell you quietly first with a whisper and then they will try to talk to you and then they will start to yell at you and when it comes to the point where your horse is bucking you off on the pattern you've pretty much ignored them whispering and talking to you about their teeth so thank god she got it fixed and now hopefully she can get back in the saddle and just put him in a snaffle and face flex him no barrels or nothing just let him see that it's not going to hurt anymore and hopefully they'll be okay now but you know that's a confidence breaker for you and your horse when that kind of stuff happens so have a quality farrier have a quality don't go for cheap you will not you'll be sorry you know go to high references use a performance farrier or performance dentist you know don't just use a backyard guy because you might be sorry guy or girl um you might be sorry for it and the next question is about can i stay my five-year-old in um, snaffle and split reins for exhibitions if I holler this weekend. That's what I train at home. When do I change from split reins and snaffles? Um, do I need to? And should I do a lead change um, in exhibitions or what some do's and don'ts for exhibitions? So, okay, so when you're first taking your horse to town, keep everything the same. So if you've been exhibit, I mean, if you've been training her at home in a snaffle and split reins, stay in that. Chances are your exhibitions will not be as good at your exhibition as they are at home just because it's their first trip to town and they're going to be looking at a lot of stuff. So whatever you do at home, expect half of that at a show. Just let them have the exposure and the exhibitions and keep it slower than you would do at home. So for instance, if you can get unlimited exhibitions for a good price, you know, do that. Maybe some of them sell them like 20 bucks for unlimited or it's four dollars an exhibition so but i would get four if you're buying them by the ticket i'd get four and i would trot two and if she's listening good like a post trot sit jog and she's focused and listening then you might try a lope to trot around or a lope through and let her switch the leads or lope around first break to trot switch your lead and lope second and third but don't expect her to be like super snappy and fast and just expect less than what you get at home because your goal isn't there to go there and expect her to be perfect your goal is there to go there and let her see that barrels grow in other arenas to build her confidence and just let her um you know understand that you know we're we're gonna do the same thing same warm-up as we do at home we're gonna do our practice on the barrel same thing we do at home only thing is there's just more to see and you know and you just need to try to focus so that's what i would suggest no you don't ever have to switch out of your split reins if you're comfortable 
loping the barrels and split reins, you can stand. If you're worried your hands will get out of position or your reins might get too long, then definitely put them in the short reins if it makes you feel more confident. Um, as far as switching bits, if they're listening, you can stay in the snaffle for the rest of their life. You don't have to move to a leverage bit. Um, you know, I've never even moved out of side pulls on, on my barrel horses and and um, maybe just one step up on the bit to something with uh, just a little lift or shake and a little less slide maybe. But you don't really have to switch up only if they need it. Many people compete in snaffles, many people compete in side pulls. So, so no, you don't have to switch if you don't want to. Generally, I don't only do training and exhibitions in my split reins, but in competition, I would switch to my short reins. But it is whatever you're most comfortable in so that you're not in your horse's face and, and um, you guys feel comfortable. So I would say the only do's and don'ts is to try not to expect her to be perfect or go faster than you would train at home or even expect her to do as well as she does at home because they're, you know, they're looking around more and they're getting com comfortable. So the lead change would probably be a good idea. Um, you know, and then if you just want to try one where they go ahead and swap out maybe they'll swap later maybe they'll swap just before the barrel but you know it's all a process you know and just have to go say okay well this is what we got done this time and then set a goal for the next time you know and just kind of that's why we keep track in our performance tracker and barrel racing log and say okay this was our goal this time next goal this went well but we want to work on this and just set goals for her so I hope that helps the next question is about buddy sour so if a horse is being buddy sour, let's say you're sitting with your friends and then you need to go make your run and they don't want to go, the best way to fix buddy sour is work them by your buddies and rest them alone. So in a clinic situation, when I have a buddy sour horse, I can't have someone working in the group because things could get ugly real fast and I don't want anybody getting hurt. So what I do is I have that person walk around the arena by themselves or sit off by themselves. But I don't let them sit with the herd because then every time we go to leave, they, they're herd sour and it's defeating the point. So, so I have them stand by themselves or walk around the arena, but they're never allowed to just sit with their buddies. So, um, so definitely if you have one that's being naughty, you can work them by their buddies and only rest them by themselves. Same thing if a horse is being naughty at the gate, you can work them by the gate sometimes and rest them in the arena. Um, you know, it's a reverse psychology. It's like having a teenager. You know, you have to kind of make your idea their idea without them knowing you're doing that. So, um, same thing with alley sour. I have a whole podcast. The next question is about being alleyway sour. I have a whole podcast on alleyway and you can listen to it. It's like 10, 11 minutes long, but there are six main things pain and that could be ulcers in their stomach or hindgut. gut could be joint pain back pain it could be bleeding lungs that could so that's number one number two could be going too fast too soon and they're just not handling it number three could be you're going too often and running too much and they they're not happy they're not liking that number four could just be riders nerves or horses nerves uh, number five could be a respect issue. And number six could be your diet. Um, sometimes just removing grain from some horse's diet um, and maybe adding magnesium can settle them down. You know, or watching if you're feeding, you know, maybe some quality grass hay and back down the alfalfa. Every horse is different. So pay attention to what has changed. Um, you can listen to that podcast as well. The next question is about rate work away from the barrels and on the barrels. 
So the best thing for rate work on the ground, make sure they woe off body and voice. If you lunge at a walk trot lope, they should stop because you asked them to off your body and voice. You shouldn't have to jerk on the rain or the lunge line to get them to stop. So do it on the ground off body and voice. Then in the saddle, do it on the rail in straight lines and circles. Again, they should stop off your body and voice. You shouldn't have to use your hands to stop your horse. Do a ton of transitions from a fast walk to a slow walk, a post trot to a sit jog, a extended canter to a collected lope, straight lines and circles. Um, you know, lope a circle, stop, roll back, go the other way. Get them wanting the woe. Um, you can also do a lot of backing and rollbacks with horses that need rate work. Um, that will help as well. Changing directions a lot can help with a horse that needs rate work. So those are all videos that are available in the members only group as well. Uh, let's see here. The members only website, I mean. And then it's also in the group if you search as well. Um, the next question is a high head. Um, let's see. They're running off with me when I'm trotting, get their head up in the air and they grab the bit. So, okay, so because I know this horse, but this would probably be true of probably most everybody, if your horse is getting her head up and speeding up and not listening, that is usually a horse that has had speed before foundation. So let's say you're running patterns before they're really broke. That's number one reason. Um, if you have a holes in your foundation, it's gonna take you three times as long to fix a horse than if you've done it right from the get-go. So if your horse is doing that, one rein stops are your friend. Disengaging their hindquarters are your friend. Anytime a horse puts their head up in the air and takes off faster than you ask, one rein stop. Now mind you, you need to teach them to laterally face flex at a walk and a standstill first. Standstill and then a walk. Uh, and then vertically teach it as well. So if they can do it at a stand and a walk, it probably won't be perfect at a trot and a lope, but you need to get it to where it is. So let's say you're just trotting along and all of a sudden they take off with you. You're gonna get that rein, slide your hand down one rein and ask them to bring that nose to your foot with give and take pressure and ask them to woe. And if they woe, then you can let them rest. If they don't, then you keep disengaging their hindquarters around and around and then go off again. So it's the philosophy of making the wrong thing difficult and the right thing easy. So, okay, so I'm gonna go ahead and get into the topic for today. Let me double check that's everything question-wise. So, yeah, I think I answered all the questions. Yep, okay, so the topic is going to be about types and temperaments, but I wanna express again that um, it's not about drills, you guys. It's really about the horse and rider's emotions and how you connect and the cues that you communicate with and you're feeling what you wanna feel from your horse. Um, Chris from Georgia just sent me a really cool video of how she does squares and she kinda does them like left box or right box and she kinda switches directions anytime she feels her horses leaning on her or anything like that. So that's a great idea. You can do that when you're in a circle or a straight line. Anytime you feel like your horse is pushing or whatever but I also like a drill and I have videos on it it's a warm-up drill of go rate and turn um, the one I'm doing it is two-handed you go from two hand to one hand then you turn just like you would in competition so if you do tend to go to the horn when you sit for rate this is a great drill to get your horses used to 
feeling you go to the horn early, but still raiding straight for a stride or two before they turn. So we always want to practice what we're going to be doing in competition with our horses. So keep that in mind. So I have had many mentors in my life and, and holistic has been a big part of it. When I first started in Colorado, I would probably say I was 75% traditional. Whatever the vet told me to do, I did. And I was maybe 25% holistic, like I'd use a chiropractor for my horses. But now I would say I, over the last 20 years, I would say I was more 75% holistic and 25% traditional. And here's what I mean by that. I believe an ounce of prevention is worth more than a pound of cure. So I would rather do a ton of stuff preventively to, to make my horses happy and healthy so that I don't have to see the vet very much. So the 75% is prevention and 25% is having to get with the vet. And barrel horses are high maintenance, so that's a hard thing to do. But it starts with diet. Are you feeding your horse quality hay? Is it balanced? A mix of quality grass hay with some alfalfa, not just all one or the other. Are you doing a good mineral supplement, salts and loose minerals available to your horse? What about a vitamin and mineral supplement uh, and not overdoing it on the feed? Because most feed bags say you have to feed so many pounds to get the vitamin mineral content, not to mention the heat processing of the bags. You put, I could never feed that much feed or my horses would be number one, fat, number two, hot. So, so, um, so I've been a dynamite user for I think 20 years 15 20 years a long time and um I've always liked that because I could just eat quality hay give them their vitamins and minerals and be pretty good to go you know maybe fine-tune some things here with a joint supplement or uh something else but but um I believe my holistic you know mentors in my life um in Colorado I had a when I used you know here in Florida Dr. Peggy Fleming um, Dr. Carla Pasture, Sherry Still, um, Judy Sinner with Dynamite, Doc Golub with Dynamite, or, or Dr. Madeline Ward, whose stuff we're going to talk about today. Um, all of those people have a lot of the Chinese medicine training, um, you know, for acupuncture and things like that. So when I talk about types and temperaments, every single horse, look, it can be frustrating training horses. Some of them are so nervous and hot just get frustrated or some are just little buttholes and they want to cause trouble and do things the hard way and and it makes you frustrated you're just like why do they have to make things hard or why do they have to be so hot when all I want to do is be relaxed and have a positive day with my horse and and you know what sometimes horse training is frustrating but the more I find that you understand what's happening and why it's happening it's easier to understand your horse so I hope I, I want you guys to look at it. I've posted it in the group. I'll tag it again to move it to the top of the group. But to better understand the behavior of individuals and create better environments for them through training, nutrition, um, and just the housing, how you keep them to be your best in performance as a team. This is really important. TLC has always been based on love, trust, um, respect and communication of cues and this is just one more step uh, that I feel helps the journey that you have with your horse so again I will post this in the group but what it comes down to I'm only spent maybe 10 minutes on this is it's a five element personality test and um, you have to kind of see which element your horse is so there's 
there's fire, wood, earth, metal, and water. Now, at any point in time, a, a person and an animal can be a, a combination of these. Um, they can be stronger in one all the time. It just depends. Like, there are some people, like for instance, when I would compete, I was very much a fire. And um, not really a wood, but more of a fire. And when I was training, I was very much earth because that's what horses need from me. But I had to be careful on certain horses like wood horses or fire horses that I would settle myself down and become more earth for them because that's what they needed. Because fire and fire or fire and wood together could be a bad combination. So, so when I say that, you want to answer the questions that are in this uh, thing. There's, let's see, and if you have multiple horses, you'll have to do it several times. But you should identify what your horse is. There's 14 questions, and it covers grooming, system weakness, emotions. It's a multiple choice of questions. Um, there's five, five answers, possible answers. Training issues, physical, hooves, activities, training. Hold on, I have to change the page here. Uh, let's see, herd behavior, favorite pastime, season, weather, and housing. So you answer these questions, and the final question is body condition. Um, and then you calculate your results. If, if the horse has, you know, a lot in one area, then you know that is their dominating one. But if they have like maybe 50-50, or two of them are higher and the rest are lower, then you might know that your horse is maybe a, a fire with underlining metal or something. But um, but I had I had horses that kind of fell in all the categories. Briscoe is my water, and Sister was my earth, and um, Belle was my fire, and Maggie was my metal, and Rocky is my wood, and um, that that was their dominating one, or is my wood, and um, and that's their dominating one. So go through the questions, answer it. And then you will see there's a place in there if you go to www.holistichorsekeeping.com and they have information on the five elements, but I've also posted in the group. I've also typed it out with mine uh, performance plan as well. So it talks about the wood horse being the ultimate competitor and they're very bold. They want to win. They're great for speed events. Um, but it also talks about their meridian um, their emotions, what stresses them, um, what can injure them. It also talks about their nutrition, um, what's best for them, uh, and their training, what's best for them, especially if you have a wood mare, um, it talks about that. So, so each one will have that. And then same thing when you go to the fire horse. The fire horses, like my bell, they're like a perfect show horse. They want to be told that you love them and they're center of attention. They, they want to be adored and praised. Um, the wood horse can be more difficult. They can be more challenging. Um, they can be more dominant um, and pushy uh, and you kind of make me kind of thing. Um, so the water horse is unique in the way that they, they need um, things done for them. They're kind of like a horse that has no trust and they have to trust you in order to do well for you. They're kind of like a chicken in a horse suit. I mean, a horse in a chicken suit. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> trying to turn pages and talk at the same time and read. It's just kind of not very good. So, and then the earth horse, 
is, um, I crack myself up sometimes. Anyways, an earth horse, um, that's a great lesson horse or kid horse oftentimes. But it's also a horse that just loves food and respect. They want to just do their job and leave me alone. And that's how sister was. She wasn't one for cuddling or grooming. You know, like Belle loved that. Um, she wasn't scared like Briscoe. But she just wanted her treats and do her job. And she was happy in that way. Um, that's a horse you don't want to overtrain them. Once they learn their job, leave them alone. You know, and they think they're a know-it-all at that point. So, so once they've learned their job, just let them be. Um, the metal horse, that's your hardworking ranch-type horse. They're going to be a, a high halt. Buddy was like this, and so is Maggie. They can hide their pain, and they try really hard for you. They're not a horse that wants to cuddle either. They're not a horse that, um, you know, they're not a horse that's going to show you their emotions. Um, but they have emotions. Grief is a big one for them, um, you know, and, and they can have weakness areas too. And so that's another one to um, to pay attention to because they can hide their pain from you. And um, they require a lot of respect, the metal horse. And so let's see, did I go through them all? So I could go into a little more detail, but I'd rather you just go through and answer the questions first and get your results. And then you can look up and see, hey, you know, that does fit my horse. Um, so basically the philosophy of it is um, trying to find that balance of yin and yang, you know, like heaven and earth, night and day, the masculine, the feminine energies. And trying to have a balance and so sometimes we think our horses are just being difficult but it's just like having a relationship with a child or a spouse or a friend you got to start to figure out what makes them tick and then you know what not to let ruffle you because it's just how they are it's a perspective thing you know I could show three people one video and they could all have a different view on that video and when I do a video for you, I'm doing it from my perspective and someone else could watch it and see it from a whole different perspective. And um, so that's why elements and energies are important to keep in mind with types and temperaments of the horse that you're dealing with because some things are just their way. It's their personality. And by you trying to fight it, you just make it worse. So the best thing you can do is learn how to work with them. And... Uh, um, and that's what I'm hoping by posting this in the group. It was just something else to make you understand that, you know what, I'm not crazy. This horse and I are definitely butting heads because, or this horse and I get along because, and you'll understand why, because your horse has a certain personality traits and, um, and it's nothing very voodoo about it or or anything that's not from God. I mean, God makes us all unique and individuals. And sometimes understanding our strengths and weaknesses make us better, um, make us a better team. So sometimes your strengths can can help that horse's weaknesses and, and vice versa. Sometimes their strengths can help your weaknesses. Um, and it just, it's really a good thing to have um, another aspect um, 
to think about with your horses. So, so anyways, I hope you guys enjoy uh, answering these questions and, um, and seeing which one your horse falls under. I know when I did it, it really opened my eyes, especially to Belle, because I couldn't figure out what was going on with Belle at one point in our career because she just was so easy and so smart and she just started winning so quickly and then there became a time where I expected that from her and every time I ran I wanted to win and and it got like where she just got worse and um and then I realized after doing the types and temperaments that golly she was just trying to to get me to to say I love you and pet her and no matter what everything was fine and I kind of figured it out before I read this. Like I figured out that, if I, but I figured out in a different way. I figured out that if I went in there and said, Belle, just have a pretty 3D clean run, instead of being like, it's got, you know, 1D, we're in it to win it. But just 3D clean, she would clock 2D clean. And it still wasn't the 1D win that we were doing, but it was a 2D clean, very pretty respectable run. And, um, but I had to change my attitude of, you know, just 3D clean, Belle. Let's have some fun. And um, instead of, come on, Belle, we won the 1D before. Let's do this. You know, and, and putting that added pressure on her and me. And she didn't like it. I think she could feel that energy from me. She just wanted to be that pretty pony that got loved on and praised on and the attention of a show horse. And I was treating her more like a wood horse. And, um, and she didn't like it. So... So anyways, every horse is unique and different, and um, I wish I would have known that sooner for her. I look at a couple years in our career that I was kind of hard on her and, and hard on me, and uh, I just, I guess so this is why I'm sharing these things with you guys, because I feel like if um, if somebody would have opened my eyes to these things sooner, I probably would have butted, butted less heads <laughs> with horses of my own and also horses that I trained. Uh, for people so you know because you, you put them on these human calendars and then you start having expectations like when you first start you really have no expectations you're just like well dear god just keep us safe and one right two lefts or one left two rights and you know come out in the saddle that's a win um but then you start you know clocking and you're like well, this horse has potential and then you want it every single time but you have to realize that horses are humans Horses and humans have days where they just are off or maybe it's just not their pin or their setup or, you know, things just don't go right. You just got to let it go and learn from it and move on. So, um, so anyways, I just wanted to say that and then I'm going to go ahead and wrap things up by closing here and make sure I didn't forget anything else I wanted to talk about. Always so much to say and such little time to say it. So just remember, um, in mindset, I'm going to close with these last five things. In mindset, um, for training and competition, it's 100% half the battle. And that's why the types and temperaments matter. So five things I'd like you to keep in mind. Um, replace any doubt or negatives with a positive thought. Every time. Every single time. Whether it's in your personal life or your horses. Replace that negative with a positive or doubt. Anything that pops in your head, replace it with a positive thought. Number two, have a plan. See what's wrong. You know, have a plan. Know what's going on. See it. See what's wrong. And then have a plan for how you're going to fix it. Number three is how to fix it. You learn how to fix it. 
And if you don't know how to fix it on your own, seek help how to fix it. Whether it's from me as a coach or your farrier, your vet, your dentist, you know, seek help. Figure out how to learn how to fix it. And then number four, accept that it's going to take time to do so. Be very calm and understand that fixing things is a process. And it can take weeks, months, years, depending on what it is. And then finally, number five, execute better timing and feel with your new acknowledgement, with your new knowledge of how to fix it. So now that you know what it is, okay, think about it like this. Training and competition is a cycle. Every time you repeat it, every time I repeat those five steps of a positive thought instead of a negative, having a plan on how to fix what's going wrong, uh, learning how to fix things, uh, accepting that it's going to take some time to do this, and then executing better timing and feel with my new knowledge, those five things, every time I do that cycle, I'm going to get better. Um, unless, unless it's a pain issue, you're going to get better. And remember that um, it takes longer if they learned the wrong way. So if you learn a bad habit or you put speed before foundation, it's going to take three times longer to fix than if you just learn it correctly and slowly in the beginning. So don't get in a hurry. Learn, learn it correctly. And then remember throughout the Bible, it tells you that there's ways to manifest the life that you want through praying to God for the things that you are thankful and grateful for, but also the life that you want. And realize it's not going to be easy, but it is going to be possible. So just keep all that in mind. And um, I'll go ahead and finish up there by saying, enjoy the process. um, And remember to keep it fun. God gave you this gift to be a horse's caretaker and this passion for for this horsemanship and this competition that you have. And um, so just just remember to keep it fun and, and just enjoy it. So thank you for tuning in. As always, God bless and ride with heart.